Well, church, it's my privilege to get to introduce our speaker today. He's one of the missionaries that we support as a church, uh, but he's here domestically. And he speaks at conferences and camps and even universities, um, sharing the good news, the hope of Jesus Christ. And um, that, that ministry that he has through the unique ways God has created and, and worked in his life is not just speaking now, but he's actually writing books and he's got books in the back that are in an in in-depth uh, look at his life and how God has used it to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so would you join with me in welcoming Chris Simning to speak to us today. Good morning. How are y'all? Oh, I love North Carolina. Oh, yes, I'm Bibleist. I knew that. Yeah, I'm with this. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, North Carolina, I don't live here. I live in Arizona. We call it the land of beige. That's all you see. I like the green here. So uh, I, I came here on Wednesday, and we went straight to Southport. Stay at the beach for a couple days. Woo! It was so great. Arizona, it's all beach. There's just no water. <laughs> it's so good to be with you all this morning. Thank you first and foremost for supporting me as one of your missionaries. I am stateside and I have a passion for people who are broken. I am broken. I have lived a life, a journey of a burden that I've carried. I was born with a condition called five motor cerebral palsy, which means the five motor part was it's tremors in my hands. So I could talk normally, I could walk normally, I could outrun most people by school, going up through grade school. Then in eighth grade, I went to bed one night, and I was fine. The only difference that you knew about me is that I tremor in my hands, so that was it. So I could never write with a bitter pencil. I mean, if you put a pen to a piece of paper, it would just dance all over the place. It's possessed or something. I don't know what's going on, but the letters come out jagged. The words will fall diagonal off the paper lines. It's a mess. It's, you need to decipher my writing. It's, if you want to play a game, ask me to write something, and we can play a game. So I always had to type everything out in school, in college. Eighth grade, I went to bed one night. I was fine. Sports-minded, loved sports, never played a competitive sport, but would just play football or basketball with friends or family for fun. Eighth grade, I wake up, and my life changed in an instant. I woke up that morning, and I couldn't lift up my head. It started the process of we go through medical tests and different types of procedures. And about two and a half months later, I was diagnosed with a second disability. And this is a disability that you see this morning. It's a rare muscle and nerve disease. 
and it's called torso dystonia. It's basically the twisting of your torso. So it, would af it affects the way that I speak, the way that I sound. It affects the way that I walk. I can't run, but I can skedaddle, I guess, but that's about it. And life went into a tailspin from eighth grade through my senior year of high school. I didn't see a better day. Every day got worse. This muscle and nerve disease is very unique. I've not met anyone who has it to this day. It's that rare. And by the time I was a senior in high school, it got so bad that I was confined to a wheelchair. And I had to rely on everybody for all my needs. Bathe me, dress me, put me in the bank and bail out of bed. And life was difficult, and it still can be difficult to this day. I'm different. But because of that difference, I have a passion to speak to broken people of all sorts of brokenness, of all circumstances of various kinds. Because I believe that that brokenness can stifle people. And actually, even though they're physically in they're physically able. Sometimes I feel like their circumstances are what causes a disability in their life because they can't move beyond it. They get bitter because of their circumstances. They get weighed down. And it's such a privilege to be here this morning to pick up where you left off last week. You're going through the Gospel of John. John is my favorite book in the Gospels, I like how John describes himself. He is a disciple whom Jesus loved. A lot of people think when he writes that that he must be narcissistic. But I think he writes it because quite possibly maybe he was a disciple out of all of them who understood Jesus' love for him the most. And he claimed it. And this morning, we're looking at John 14, verses 1 through 14. And what I like about this section of Scripture is the Gospel of John is much like a door. And if we see it as a door, chapter 14 is like a hinge to that door. When you walk through a door, I guarantee you, you don't think about the hinge as you're walking through that doorway. The hinge is small, but the hinge is everything to that door functioning. So if John is writing this gospel, opening the door to this hope of Jesus Christ, declaring his name, stating his word, conversing with people that he comes in contact with and proclaiming who he is. This is a hinge of a pivot point in this book, this gospel. Last week, I know that you learned about what it means to love one another. And this whole series is about believe and, and live. What you, do, what you do with what you believe determines the way that you will live that out. 
And John 14 is now going down from John 15. The last paragraph of that chapter, Peter is asking Jesus, well, where are you going? And Jesus says, well, where I'm going right now, you can't come, but afterwards you, you'll follow me one day. I like Peter. I identify with Peter because he gets himself in trouble quite a bit. He speaks up way too soon. He doesn't think before he acts. And he has a good heart. But sometimes I wonder if Peter is a bit selfish because he wants to save the world. He wants to stand out among the other 11 disciples, other 10 disciples. He wants to be the guy that, that people go to. He wants all the attention. And when he says, Lord, I will follow you to the end of the world, Jesus kind of rebukes them. You don't really know what you're saying because you haven't seen all the glory that I'm about to reveal. And then the conversation switches from him and Jesus to now all of the disciples in first one of chapter 14. And that becomes to everybody that's with him that day. In John 14, one says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. My first point this morning is this. This declaration in John 14, 1, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. It welcomes hope. Because Jesus is at a point in his ministry where he started to reveal more and more of who he is. Chapter 15 of John is heavy. Judas betrays Jesus in this chapter. Jesus serves his disciples and teaches them about what it means to serve one another. And Peter gets ambitious and says that he will follow Jesus to the end of the world. And then chapter 14 begins with the word trouble. Set down your hearts and be so. Believe in God. That's easy to do. I hear people always tell me that. I believe in God. Yeah, but do you believe in Jesus? It says believe also in me. The disciples here don't fully understand or can fully grasp who Jesus really is. And he's teaching them about the future. He's teaching them about why they can have hope, why that hope can be welcomed, because of who he is. He's going to prepare a place, an eternal place for them, if only they will trust, if only they will put their faith in him, if only they will commit their lives to him. 
It's about them abiding in who this Jesus is and falling in that path. I like coffee. I like it way too much. I can't drink hot coffee unless I'm sitting at a table. I mean, if you want to joke around with Chris, I mean, give me a cup of hot coffee and dirt, and give me one of those flimsy styrofoam cups, and watch me walk from this side of the room to the other side of the room, it'll take me about 20 minutes. Because I tremor. It's so funny sometimes. Uh, there's a few occasions where I've done that in church. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. And I can't look up because if I do, I'm going to spill my tremors. I'm concentrating. I have to get to, from point A to point B. Leave me alone. The wake, the wake. Get away from me. Ah! And I have to go slow. And that reminds me that your faith in Jesus is a process. It's not a product. Jesus is not a vending machine. Jesus is a process that you and I get to know through the life that we get to live. It's through believing. Believing not just in God, but believing in His Son. And some of you, I wonder if this point in your hearts are troubled. It can be troubled with anything. That trouble can be a distraction to where God's leading you. And maybe it overwhelms you. Maybe you're worried by the way too much. God is saying, let not your hearts be troubled. It's a declaration that welcomes hope. And then chapter 14 goes on in verse 5. And we get introduced to one of his disciples, Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then Philip, another disciple, enters the scene. says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. The conversation went from a group setting to down individual interactions. And the first one is Thomas. And he is more humble than Peter is. He's a little bit more skittish about who, what Jesus is saying. Lord, show us the way. We, we don't know where you're going. Show us what you mean. And he talks about his divinity. John 14 is about Jesus not only being a human, but also divine. In Colossians, it speaks about in chapter 1 how all the fullness of God dwells in him. Or in Colossians 2, how the whole deity of Jesus is in bodily form. 
Jesus is making a stand here. Because he's talking about his end times. He's talking about his death. He's talking about what he has to do to free the world because of his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. He's beginning to tell them about victory. But because of that victory, there's going to be a great process that he has to go through. And he's prepared his disciples for all of this. And Thomas is curious. He wants to know what this way is. Not so, not so much Philip. Philip wants answers now. He wants solutions now. Just show us the Father and it'll be enough for us. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, except through me. That's an I am statement. You know what I like about Jesus here? He begins with identifying who he is. He speaks to his identity and who he is. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There are seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. And he always backs up every I am statement that he does by showing people what he means. John 14 is a hinge in a doorway that leads people to life. It opens the way more specifically and it instructs people what they need to do. Jesus isn't just claiming he is one way. No, he's bold in saying that he is the only way to the Father. Right? Yes. When people ask me about my faith or my religion, I get a little bit squirmish because I don't like the word religion so much. I'm a follower of Jesus. That's a lifestyle. That's, that's a, a journey. That's a process. That's knowing where my hope comes from. When Jesus says I'm the way, that's the most important phrase of that statement. Truth of life is its companions of what that way is. Believing in God, one thing that's truth, that's revealing who God is. But knowing the way to that truth is only through Jesus Christ. And when you know that way to that truth, it gives you life. Do you have that life this morning? What, what about the people in your neighborhoods? A lot of people, when they think of mission work, they think of overseas, but mission work happens here, in your, on your blocks, on the city streets, with your co-workers, with students at your school. 
You can be an example of what Jesus is to you so that you can be a message to them of that hope. This I am statement is inviting a transformation of souls. And Jesus wants to transform you. He wants to transform me. You have Trader Joe's here? I think you do. I love Trader Joe's. I like their snacks. I like going to Trader Joe's just to get snacks. And my favorite snack that they have there is the sesame honey cashews. Oh, they're so delicious. They're so good. And one time in Trader Joe's where I ate my town in Arizona and I'm going through the, the store and I always forget I have a disability until someone looks. And then they have to stop. Step back. There's two types of looks at me. Those who are, those that are condescending stares, they're rude and obnoxious. And those with the curious stares, and those are the types of stares I like, because I like to play around with those stares. There's a lady on the aisle down the way, about 80 years old, and she's coming in my direction. I see her out of my peripheral vision. She's coming, and I'm just going to the shelf to get down my sesame honey cashews, drop it in my basket. And I know she's there because now she stops her basket when she approaches me, and it's obvious. And then I just play and ignore her. I know she's there. And she rams her car into my car like bumper cars. And I turn and I smile and I go, well, hello. And she says this, you are so happy! <laughs> just like that. And everybody on the island turns and stops what they're doing and looks at us. And I wanted to hear her say it again. I said, what's that? <laughs> you are so happy! I said, yeah, I heard you the first time. I said, why would I not be happy? And she said, well, you know, I like making people struggle. <laughs> I know? Yeah, you yeah. Help me out here. And I got her to do this, like the whole body thing, you know. <laughs> and I just started to laugh. I said, I do know. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I am happy. But more importantly, I'm more joyful that I am happy. I have a peace about me, man. She said, don't ever stop what, what you're doing. And she moved on. This chapter 14 is about hope. I have it. It's about transformation.
I get it because of this I am statement. And sometimes I wonder if I am Thomas or am I Philip. The two of this section here. Later in John, the Gospel of John, you'll see that Thomas is described as somebody who doubts. Thomas is also identified as the twin. What are twins? They're duplicates, but they're different people. But they're similar. I'm similar to Thomas some days. Because I doubt. Show us the way. We don't know where you're going. Make it obvious. My heart is so troubled. I, I don't know what direction I need to head. And then others of us, of us are more like a Philip. We want answers right now. Just show us the Father. That would be enough for us. Da -da 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 -da. And then it goes on to say this in verse 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Ooh, he even pulls out the name. Philip, he makes it personal. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. What has Jesus been, been doing up until this point? He's been working miracles. He's been healing sick people. He's been patient with his disciples. You still don't fully understand who he is. And he's still patient with them. And yet these disciples have been with Jesus for so long that you think they would get it. Some of us in this room, we say we believe in God, but we really don't know who Jesus is in our lives. And yet we've been around him for so long. And when Jesus says a statement, it's convicting. Don't you know me, Chris? Haven't you seen my faithfulness work in your life? Haven't you seen me help you through hard circumstances? Don't you know me? I'm the way and the truth and the life. I'm all you need. I'm that hinge that swivels and points you in the right direction because I am the gate for that sheep. I'm that doorway. I'm helping you through it. I'm not calling you to sprint. I'm calling you to hold a cup of flimsy hot coffee and just walk forward slowly. You got this. You know who I am. Are your hearts troubled this morning?
You know who Jesus is, any of you. You've been in the church for so long, you know him. But do you really know him? Do you really trust in what he wants to do for you and leading you and using you in ways that you didn't think were possible? I laugh at my life because I'm a beneficial speaker. I can't speak. It don't look the part of a motivational speaker. I don't have bling bling. I don't fly a private jet. Southwest Airlines, here we go. I'm not rich. I'm not eloquent. People ask me, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a motivational speaker. You're what? I'm a motivational speaker. Really? Yeah. So, but like why? Do you guys speak to small groups of people to say hello and hey? No. I travel all over the country. But it's not about me. It's what God was doing through me. I didn't want to be a speaker. I used to cry when someone asked me to speak in front of people. I still do, but now I really don't care if I do or don't. God would see use my weakness. God would see use the ugliest thing about me to sign. And the same is true for you. Why? Because he's the way. You're thirsting for truth this morning. It's who he is. You want hope in your life. That's what his life is about. He said, I am. I'm that way. I'm that truth. I'm that life. This conversation, point number three, it speaks about a relationship. Jesus has a relationship with these men, with Thomas and Philip there. And he's encouraging each one of them to dig deeper. Dig deeper in what they need to know. And that's the verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Look at verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You want Jesus to do something? If he's glorified because of whatever the outcome is, he will do it. But if it's just for selfish gain, he won't work. He wants to use his vessels. A theme of 
The Gospel of John is the light light coming into the world to shine in the dark places of existence. And he uses each one of us as flashlights or lamps to show people the way to where they need to go. Because why? Jesus is the Word, Captain W, that's become flesh, and now he dwells among us to guide us upon a journey. I spoke this morning the this proclamation necessitates an unwavering faith. I'm healed this morning. And I love saying that to people because I like their expressions. Healed? You're not healed. Look at you. You know what I tell them? You're not healed either. Look at you. I may not see your disability, but some of you might be paralyzed this morning because your hearts are that troubled. And you have no hope. And Jesus welcomes us this morning. You deal with going your own ways. And Jesus says, I am the only way that I am Stephen because he wants to invite transformation in your soul this morning. Jesus wants to have an ongoing dialogue with you. And it's through his whispers that he's having a conversation to speak about how he wants a relationship with you. And he proclaims things so that you could have an unwavering faith in just who it is that he wants to be in your life. I never thought I would get out of the wheelchair. I got involved in swimming at the community college where I grew up just to be with other people with disabilities. I had no idea what swimming would do for me. I just wanted to be with other people who were similar to my challenges, just as a community. I started out in a life jacket. I couldn't do much for six months, but I had my back, and they stretched my arms and my legs. Then they stood me up in the water and began to rock me back and forth, and I can take steps in the water, not on the water. I'm not Peter, but in the water. <laughs> and then my teacher got in one day, took the life jacket away from me. That was very scary. It taught me how to swim like I could, could do when I was younger before I got sick. And then before I knew it, I was swimming laps and I was also walking laps across the Olympic size swimming pool. Shallowing, not shallowing and deep in, because that would not work, but shallowing to shallowing. <laughs> and two and a half years later, I was out of the wheelchair. I wasn't expecting it, but here I am. I don't walk the greatest, but I'm grateful that I have mobility. And I'm not serving the Lord because I'm out of the wheelchair. No, 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 no. We had a hard talk when I was in the wheelchair one day. I said, Lord, 
I don't want to be here. I don't want to get dressed every day by other people. I don't want to be put into bed by other people or get up out of bed by other people. I don't want to be in this wheelchair. But if this is where you want me to be, so be it. Give me the strength to carry on. I will serve you. And later he chose to help me walk. My life is a miracle. And maybe God wants to do miracles into your life this morning. And maybe it starts with you putting your hope in Jesus. And maybe it begins with you being a missionary in the neighborhood that you live in. Share with people. Live a life with those people. Maybe not so much by your words, but by the way you act. And then after the way you act is seen, your words, your words will be more powerful. We're all missionaries. Every one of us, if you know Jesus Christ. And it could be a small interaction with somebody that we associate with, maybe on a daily basis. Or maybe this morning it's just you coming to faith for the first time in this only way called Jesus Christ. Because he will lead you into an abundant life that's everlasting. Are your hearts troubled this morning? Maybe you're too consumed with sprinting. But God just wants to give you a flimsy cup of hot coffee to make you slow down. Walk. It's a hint in that doorway that John 14 begins to open us up to into who this Jesus really is. And he's directed us along that path. Amen. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you that you are I am. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I pray, Lord, for hearts that are troubled here this morning. That, Lord, you would comfort them. That you would show them something about yourself, Lord, that they have never seen. God, give them strength. God, thank you that we can identify with disciples here. A Philip or Thomas. God, thank you that in our humanness that you still want to sustain your glory in spite of us. God, I pray that you would help us to have faith and the hope that you provide us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.